0: Welcome back to the Laurel Heights Church of Christ website. This is the sermon to be delivered on March the 21st at the 5 o'clock hour. Let's listen to God's Word in Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. We always recommend you have your Bible ready. Revelation chapter 21. and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, and detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. The apostle John saw something he never saw in his earthly existence, an entirely new and perfect place, holy, made ready, the old or first heaven and earth now gone, the dwelling place of God with his people. No tears or death, no mourning or crying. The former things have passed away. John wrote what God enabled him to see. And he was told to write this down words perfectly worthy of our confidence as God's people. To Christians, the announcement is, the one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. This is what Christ died for us to have. This is one reason why we obeyed the gospel, and we continue to be motivated to be faithful, to be participants in the victory Christ enables us to have in heaven. Sadly, some face a very different destiny. Verse 8, But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Those described in Revelation 21 verse 8 might be called the cavalcade of reprobates. I once heard that description. What a distressing reality to read and consider and think about their their destiny, their end. They will have their portion in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, this truth written by John might be considered entirely negative. I'm talking about the lake of fire and those who will suffer there. But in addition to the warning function of this verse, there's something else here for us to consider. If we can steer our lives to the opposites. Steer our lives to the opposites. With Christ we can. I want to talk about steering our lives to the opposites. And here's what I mean. What's the opposite of cowardly? Courageous. Faithless? Faithful. Detestable? Attractive. Murderers? Respecters of life. Sexually immoral? Pure. Sorcerers? Committed to God's wisdom. Idolaters? Worshippers of God. Liars? People of integrity. So this sets up the sermon, steering our lives Toward the opposites. The contrast between God's people and those who are not should be kept alive and vivid by the way we live. So let's get started. We're going through Revelation 21 8 and we're looking for how sin is identified so that we can steer our course away from sin toward the opposites. The opposite of cowardly is courageous. For Bible readers and Bible students, one of the highlights of Old Testament Scripture is the captivating stories of courage. Abraham leaving his father's land. Offering Isaac. Joseph saying no to his boss's wife. The three Hebrews who refused to bow down to the image of Nebuchadnezzar. Nehemiah, Esther, the prophets. Then into the New Testament, John the Baptist who stood before religious leaders and identified their sins, the Apostle Paul who once wrote, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus, and of course, the supreme example of courage in Jesus Christ our Lord. These were not voiceless, covert believers. Their trust in God and His power supplied the courage necessary to push through threats stand without fear before enemies, and do what was right despite certain persecution. Those are examples for us. They not only teach us what courage is and how faith in God supplies it, there is encouragement for us as we read about people who were strong and courageous. We who serve the same God can be strong and courageous through Christ who strengthens us. The cowardly will reside eternally in that lake of fire. The courageous will dwell with God around his throne. These words are trustworthy and true. Let's make certain we are steering a course away from being cowardly toward the courage of faith Christ enables us to have and develop. The opposite of faithless is faithful. This is such a simple Bible study process. Seeing what is offensive to God, we latch on to the opposite. The opposite of faithless is faithful. Do you remember that passage in Matthew 25 that depicts the final judgment? The splendor of the second coming of Christ is pictured, and listen to these words which will be heard by faithful Christians. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much, enter into the joy of your master. Faithfulness means full of conviction that Jesus is the Son of God, such conviction that it leads to obedient fidelity to him every day, fidelity that isn't occasional. Fidelity that doesn't pause to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Fidelity that prompts growth and results in hope. In heaven, in the presence of deity, the faithful will know so well that the former things have passed away. In the English Standard Version, the next word is the detestable. That means repulsive, so offensive you turn away in disgust. Vile is another term. So the opposite, Holy, attractive as one clothed in righteousness. In Psalms 29, give unto the Lord the glory, do his name, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. That's the kind of attractiveness I refer to. The opposite of being detestable or vile is being attractive, and that attractiveness is the beauty of holiness. That beautiful holiness that can be seen in God's faithful here on earth will be the atmosphere, the environment of heaven, the dwelling place of God. Murderers. The opposite of murderers are those who respect human life. The sin of murder now operates with immunity in the eyes of men in the form of abortion, though the Bible speaks with the greatest clarity. Of the real existence of human life in the womb psalms one hundred thirty nine thirteen to sixteen Jeremiah chapter one verse five exodus twenty one twenty two through twenty five we speak out against the modern practice of killing babies. We cite the passages we plead with people to see what they're doing. Let us illustrate through our lives. The opposite, what it means to respect human life. That's the opposite of murder. Respecting human life, how we treat people, knowing people were made in the image of God, that takes us to fairness, justice, loving our neighbor, respect for human life. The opposite of being sexually immoral is being pure. Sexual immorality, the older term fornication, has to do with sexual activity outside of or in betrayal of marriage. It was especially prevalent in pagan times. So perhaps we live in pagan times. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he said the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Now, what I need to be interested in is not just identifying the sin, but what is the opposite. It's purity. This begins with an understanding of where God puts sexual activity. It is the most intimate expression of love in physical contact with your lawful spouse. Let me say that again. Sexual activity defined by God is the most intimate expression of love in physical contact with your lawful spouse. When we know that and we respect God's will concerning that, we exhibit purity. One of the greatest needs in our society today is the restoration of truth about what marriage is, what the Creator intended as pure male-female contact in marriage, and then commitment in that marriage to fidelity therein. We have pivoted so far away from the Creator's ideal let us be people who speak and practice and exhibit the truth about purity, which is the opposite of sexual immorality. The opposite of sorcerers would be those who place their trust in God's wisdom and power. In New Testament times, sorcerers were devoted to magical devices, sometimes involving the use of drugs and claims of spells and incantations. Do you remember Simon the sorcerer in Acts chapter 8? The opposite involvement would be placing our trust in God's wisdom and power, such as described in Psalms chapter 9 verse 10. Those who know your name trust you because you have not abandoned any who seek you, Lord the opposite of idolaters, true worshipers of God. Idolatry is what the Apostle Paul observed when he came to Athens, Acts chapter 17. He wrote later in Galatians 5, idolatry and sorcery are works of the flesh. Idolatry in classic or ancient form is to build something out of wood, stone, or metal. And then, after you've built it, fall down in worship to what you have built. The law of Moses said, You shall have no other gods. God told his people, I, the Lord God, am a jealous God. Today, we are guilty of idolatry when we put anything between us and the Lord. Whether it be sex, money, power, this world, a person, a religious empire, we are guilty of idolatry. When we put anything between us and God. So the opposite would be to honor God in a singular way, being true worshipers of God, giving that honor to nobody or anything here on earth. True worshipers of God can become true worshipers of God in His very presence in heaven someday. And we know the opposite of lying is honesty. There is the ugly spectacle we observe of people lying and cheating their way through their job, their relationships, their responsibilities, leading to their ruin. Honesty is commended in every passage that condemns lying. Think of lying as coming from the devil. Think of truth as coming from God. Cherish truth. Speak truth. Think what is true, and act in every way, with everybody, with integrity. Make the truth of God plain by how you live your life to honor Christ and to avoid the lake that burns with fire and brimstone. Listen again to our text in Revelation 21 8, and then I'll wrap up. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. In contrast to the reward granted by grace to God's people, disciples of Christ, this passage speaks of the end result of unrighteous living. Let me say that again. In contrast to the reward granted by grace to God's people, disciples of Christ, this passage speaks of the end result of unrighteous living. In that sense, this statement is considered negative. It it constitutes a warning, but we're looking at it in a positive way in this sense. It warns those still alive to change their direction through obedience to the gospel. Two, we can study the text with emphasis on the moral opposites. The contrast between God's people and those who are not should be kept alive and vivid by the way we live. So we are taught by implication in this text to be courageous, faithful, attractive in the sense of being holy, respecters of life, pure, committed to God's wisdom, worshipers of God, and people of integrity. I need to close with this. There's only one way you can be the kind of person with these good traits of character, and that's through Jesus Christ. Believing in him, you confess your faith, repent of your sins, and submit to baptism for the remission of your sins, and then thoroughly dedicate your life to preparing for heaven, knowing God's promise, I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Thank you for listening.